one year I kind of got an idea, you know, I want to try trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love being trappers in a positive way. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. Instruction from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads. Two information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the judge, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Okay, back in the first shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Second time around, I had my audio a little messed up that first time. I couldn't hear myself talk. Uh, we are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Bros, original sponsor of the podcast. Go check out their website to get your trapping supplies. They got everything you need to get started on the trap line. On X Maps, use your phone as the GPS on the trap line. Mark your trap locations, run tracks, scout trapping areas with the latest aerial imagery and get landowner information you're going to use this app for so many different things use the promo code trap t-r-a-p at onxmaps.com to get 20 percent off of your first purchase and moil mink and tannery where are you going to send your fur what are you going to do with it you're going to sell it to a buyer you're going to send it to auction or are you going to save that fur get it tanned preserve those memories get a few wall hangers maybe even uh, work on creating a few fur products yourself check out moil mink and tannery moil.net and get your fur tanned by the professionals moil has been in the business for a very long time for decades and they do an incredible job awesome product and great service great prices and use their online customer portal to get bumped to the head of the line if you got your fur over there you'll get it done a little bit quicker by using that portal all right it is full-on summertime here, I guess you might say. Early May, it's a little bit cold, but boy, I've been I've been out working on the farm and sitting on a tractor a good part of the day today. So anyway, I didn't I didn't think I was gonna get into talking much about that, but I thought I I might just give people a little bit of an overview of what I've got going on recently since the trapping season ended and we've got green grass and kind of transitioning to other parts of of what I do. So we've got 20 bred red Angus cows here on the farm and we had uh, a couple days ago we had two calves and today we had four. We had four calves in one day so we're up to six now out of out of 20. So they're coming pretty quick. Uh, I've been working on some uh, projects to try and get prepared for haymaking season which will be coming up here you know it's probably only about six or eight weeks away but uh, there's just so many different things to get ready bought a tractor i was looking at those brand new coyote tractors that uh, apparently have uh, kept up with inflation uh, the price has gone up considerably over the past couple of years and, and particularly more recently a new Coyote 73 horsepower tractor with a loader and a cab is $45,000. That's more than I paid for my 56 acres of land that I have here. Um, and just to put it into perspective, the, the house that I live in right now, I paid, uh, when we first got it, I paid $7,000 for it. So think about that. Um, they're very expensive. But I ended up finding a 1962 Massey Ferguson 65 tractor with a bush hog for 4500 bucks. That's what I ended up getting and that'll have to do me for now um, to, to help with 
become part of the haymaking fleet. Uh, but yeah, I was I was sitting there in the bush hog, uh, creating kind of opening up some ground that I'd like to hay here in a couple of months, and and thinking thinking a little bit about the podcast tonight, and and uh, how this time of year, you know, kind of everything gets crowded into Saturday after dark and trying to crank these things out. So anyway, um, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Bruce Fournier up here in Northern Maine. He's been here a couple times and I've, I've got to know Bruce, uh, pretty well the past year. He is, uh, his family is originally from this area, but he was part of kind of a, Oh, there's kind of been a cultural movement up here. Uh, The area that I grew up in, the St. John Valley of northern Maine, um, most of the people are French-Acadian, and they're pretty isolated area and culturally pretty unique. And for some reason, I'm really not sure exactly why, but of course this is an area that is very rural, not a lot of industry, not a lot of jobs. And as farming jobs started to kind of taper um, and and there wasn't as much opportunity available, a lot of people started moving away to look for work. And it just so happened that the majority of those people gravitated to Connecticut. And over the years, uh, it was probably more of a cultural shift than anything where People moved down to Connecticut and they found jobs and made a good life for themselves and they talked to family members that were still up here in northern Maine that were looking for opportunity and told them how great it was and I'll set you up with a place to stay and and uh, you know we all live in this area and, and more and more people just continued to move down and that that trend has kind of continued even t- today you see a lot of people going to Connecticut and, and my grandparents as I was growing up uh, one side of the family, they lived in Connecticut as part of that same movement. And, um, it just, uh, it, it's an interesting little phenomenon, but, but anyway, Bruce grew up there cause his, his father and mother had moved there for, uh, for work. And he'd always come up to this area in Northern Maine to vacation in the summertime. And so he retired, semi-retired and decided to move up here full time. And so uh, a few years ago, he moved here, and he was trapping in Connecticut when he was younger, and he recently kind of got back into trapping as he's in the semi, semi, semi retirement mode. So uh, he is kind of re, uh, getting re-energized and and getting back into trapping. So it's been kind of cool, got a chance to connect with him. Uh, it must have been two years ago, and then more recently, we've been talking a little more and. And working with fur together and stuff. So anyway, I had he was in the shed here uh, recently, a couple weeks ago, and I cornered him into doing a podcast episode. So that's what we're going to listen to tonight. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll get into it. All right. Okay. I think we're recording. Bruce Fournier. Yes. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So we've got in between us, we have a, uh, a beaver sandwich. Yes, a pile of beavers. <laughs> <laughs> and we just spent about uh, 20, 30 minutes uh, wrapping this in different ways to try to get it under the square inch requirements for UPS. Um, what was the cost of when we started? Uh, we're up pretty close to 300 bucks. It was <laughs> $270-something, dollars, and I said, boy, this, and, and the funny thing about this was we had shipped some out in January, I think, and the cost was $80. And now it's up to 270, and we're so what the heck are we doing wrong here? Same number of beavers. Same number of beavers, exactly. Yeah. The weight-wise as well was pretty close. Yeah, yeah. yeah so 34 pounds. So, yeah, yeah we, we figured that out, but it just, I get a lot of questions. I've had a lot of people email me like, man, I'm trying to ship to Moyle, and it's, it's outrageous. And tell us about your experience. Yeah, uh, just this past week, I had stopped to UPS, and I had boxed up, and I had sent you uh, a text asking if I could roll up some beaver pelts. I don't think it's a good idea to fold them, but roll them up. And I found a box that was able to take the beavers and I could roll the edges up around it. And I put my my uh, other furs in there. I had an otter and a muskrat to, 
to send them oil. And they came out to $70, $70 even. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's just as much as sending my beavers out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just sent, uh, we get 20, what is it, 25 beavers? Uh, there's 20 in there. Yeah, and they're going to North Dakota for 86 bucks. Yeah. So it's a huge difference. And I and like, it, like Bruce was saying, I mean, you could easily double or triple that number if you're not careful. That's right. So there, we found, we we got into my UPS business account and plugged in a bunch of different numbers and finally found the cutoff for square inches. And uh, we got just below that cutoff and, and the price just uh, went substantially lower. Went south, <laughs> which is nice for a change as everything else is going up. Yeah. So you, you've been trapping for quite a while. Yeah, I trap. I was trapping. I, I wish I was trapping when I was younger. I started trapping when I was in my 30s. And it was a fellow that uh, that lived in a town I used to live in, Connecticut. He was a he was a, a craftsman. He he built houses and he built everything. When I say he built the house, he built it from the ground up, foundations, uh, all the finished work on the cabinetry, plumbing, electrical. He did everything. He's a very 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 good craftsman. And he had a he had a lawnmower for sale. I knew I knew he was a trapper. And he was up in age. He was he was close to 80s when when uh, we 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 started trapping together. And he uh, he said, "What do you want for your 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 riding mower?" He says, "I want 800 bucks for it." I said, "Sold." <laughs> and I said, "Are you still trapping?" He says, "No." He says, "I can't trap too much anymore." He says, "My my hands are full of arthritis." And I said, "Well, I always wanted to trap." And and from that moment on, I must have rekindled a, a spark that he had from yeah. his youthhood and. And we, we trapped together for, oh, quite a few years before I moved back up here up north. And he's since passed, but uh, he was he was quite a minker. Really? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we put up we put up some big numbers. So you did a, probably a lot of road uh, crossings? We did. We did uh, a lot of road crossings. We did a lot of pro private property. We did, uh, I was also an animal control officer in the town that I lived in. So I've got a lot of nuisance complaints, and and that was a was a sure win for me because my foot was already in the door. And I said, well, we have problems with these beavers chewing our trees. We'll take care of that for you. It's trapping season. No we charge. Can, no charge. We'll take care of it. And and then we had another another guy from Connecticut as well, and lived in our area. He had a business wildlife control nuisance wildlife control operation, and some of the fur that he caught. We, we would sometimes get to acquire for for some work in exchange for another problem that he was having yeah. so it worked out pretty good yeah we put up a lot of numbers yeah yeah what were some of your bigger seasons uh my my big season our biggest season was our last season before i moved up here and we caught we caught close to 40 beavers uh, a lot of a lot of raccoon probably I would, I would guess probably just as many, maybe more than, than 50. Uh, a lot of mink, a couple dozen mink and otters. And I'm going back. I wish I had my picture in front of me. I'd be able to show you because I took them all in nice. one, one shot. I had some coyotes in there. Yeah. And it was the first time I ever caught a coyote. It was, was with Walt, and it was a double. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then after that, we caught another double. And, it was, and then we started taking off, getting, getting coyotes. And yeah. it was a... And, a, and we're talking Connecticut. And we're so. talking Connecticut. And you know what we caught a lot of there towards the end was fishers. Yep. But you couldn't keep them. You had to let them go. Mm -hmm. But the, the population going. is going sky high, sky high. And what I noticed about the, the animals down there versus the animals up here, a lot of tick bites down there. So you go to flesh, you can hit, you can hit yeah. you know, a bump and you really have to be careful down there. So yeah. you grew up up here in northern Maine? No, I grew, up, grew in, up in Connecticut. I grew okay, up in your Connecticut. dad is from northern Maine. My, okay. my, my family is all up here from northern Maine. Oh, yeah. okay. So, yeah. that, so he moved down to work? To work. He retired. Okay. He came back up north, and then I retired, and I came back up north. So we're, we're all up here now. Yeah. My sister's up here. I have one sister that's in New York. Yeah. yeah and I don't think she's going to come this way. So your whole childhood was, was based on Connecticut? You're probably spending vacations. Yeah, this was our vacation. This is the only place we vacationed was up here. Every every year was two weeks up here, and you didn't see me. I was gone. I was fishing or or uh, helping somebody out doing haying or whatever. But yeah, you know, it was a good childhood up here. 
So you came up here, and now you are you retired, semi-retired? I retired in 2002. I retired from the state of Connecticut as a corrections officer. And I came up here with the intention of staying retired. <laughs> and that didn't work out. After three months, I was trying to find things to do, and I said, i got to go back to work. But I didn't get into trapping then. I should have been got into trapping, and I probably wouldn't have gone back to work. Exactly, yeah. So uh, now I'm on the other side of that. I'm getting ready to... Yeah, retire. Yeah. yeah, I did another 10 years up here working and I got a couple more. I want to go till I'm 62 at least and then I'll get back into trapping again. So so this was this year the first time that you since you moved up that you really got into trapping or had you been doing it for a few years? Uh there was a hiatus when I when I left retire when I left Connecticut I, I I slowed down and readjusted up here and then I didn't trap at all. I trapped my first year. I did. I, when my first year I moved up here, I did trap because I wasn't working then. And I did catch uh, pine marten and I caught six fisher out of one pond. Uh, caught a few beer, beers, got some more coyotes. Then after that, I started working and it, it all stopped. Yeah. It all stopped. But I had a good year up here too, my first year yeah. trapping. Yeah. Yeah, I got some, I got a few uh, red fox as well. Yeah. And then was it must have been two years ago that you started texting me about the making martin boxes and yeah you, you you i happened to stumble across your website it was your dad yeah it was your dad i i was going through the internet and i saw that you had a pile of uh, pine martin boxes and fisher boxes and and there were the cages as you were starting out with the cages yeah. and i said boy i said i wonder if he's got those for sale because he's he's got wooden ones now you had wooden ones i said i'll try to see if i can buy some of those off you and you had sold them, so and then I started watching, your, listening to your podcast, and well, I'll tell you what, it doesn't take much to to, get to, to get the bug back, and I got right back into it, you know. And it's like, what were you doing all this time? How come you you left in the first place? You know, it was like, it's it's like a dream that comes true, you know. You you you're right there, and you're right in the thick of things, and yeah. you know, you get to experience. You know, instead of the rat race and the treadmill you're on every day, you're you're out in the, out in the wild a little bit, the wild that we have. Yeah. And it's a uh, it's a breath of fresh air. It's also interesting that about eight or ten years ago there were a lot more trappers around, and now it's like you're getting into it and everybody's getting out of it or That's, has gotten out of it. Uh, yeah. You kind of got that whole area. Yeah, I, it's it's pretty well nailed nailed down. I, it's, <laughs> it, there's no competition at all. There's you know, I went I went to one place I was going to trap for beavers, and I, I saw a bunch of flowage in there, and there was a guy in there, and uh, we talked early about what, what we had, had seen in there, and he wasn't trapping. He was just trying to get the beavers to get out of there, and I thought, I said, well, now there's my competition there. i got to see who this guy is, you know, <laughs> but he happened to be related to the landowner, and he says, you want trap beaver in here? Go, go for it. He says, it's all, all yours. And is uh, to tell you the truth, I trapped all winter this winter, and I did not see one trapper. Yeah. Not one trapper. There's another trapper that I know of, but he's doing animal damage control for. I think it's for the state. He's he's working for. Uh, yeah, it is the state, but he's doing coyote trapping. Yeah. Up up that end, and I guess he got a pickup load of coyotes too. But that's the only that's the only other trapper that I know of. There was a there was a, a family in town. The man has a couple kids, and he took the kids out trapping one little pond, and that was it for them. But as far as going all winter long, yeah, you you must be up over fifty beaver now. Yeah, per, pretty close to that. And, and you just, sounds like you got all kinds of places. All there. yeah, and the, and the season's not over yet either. <laughs> These are going to be frozen, tagged and frozen. Uh, yeah, but uh, this this COVID thing was kind of a kind of a Kickstarter too because. You can't go anywhere. You can't interact with too many people, and they want you to stay away and the distance. And I said, you know what? This is a good time to go trapping. Yeah. So that worked hand in hand because the work schedule changed too. Okay. The work schedule wasn't as as it was like three days a week. It started out, then it went down to to uh, uh, two days a week. And I said, I'll take the, that extra time, and I'll I'll invest it in in the trapping and. And taking care of some people that have problems. Yeah. Yeah. It's all worked out well.
So the, how's the under ice beaver trapping been for you? It was, it was awesome. It was a really, really good year. Uh, I had a, I made a couple of purchases. I made a, a purchase on, uh, on an ice saw, a hand saw. Oh, really? Yeah. I, 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 uh, I tried to find an old timer around here that had one, but because he used to saw ice blocks out years ago. Yeah, and storm in and the, storm in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, use it under saw. Yes, stuff, yeah. yeah. Some guys use that, use hay or whatever they had around the farm to, to make their 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 cold storage, and uh, I did find one. It was a company out of Wisconsin, and this guy was a was into spear fishing. They they spear fish through the ice over there, yeah. and it's like a four foot hole that they cut, mm. and they just wait. They dangle, they jig. I think they jig a jig, and the fish swims like by. A decoy, a decoy yeah. yeah, and they're spearing it with this. It looks like it has like four or five prongs on a spear, and they're getting. I think they're. I don't know if it's musky or well, the, pike they have or, sturgeon in some of those areas, like Lake Winnebago is a big lake where they have these massive sturgeon. But I think the pike spearing they is where they use the decoy, and they they do a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. So I so I called the guy and I said, "Do you have any 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 of these saws?" He says, "Yes, I do." I said, "Well, can you send me one?" He says, "Okay." Well, a whole month goes by. I don't get it. I call him back. He says, "All right, shipped it." Still nothing. It was during this this COVID. Everything and, and was, everything yeah. locked right up. Yeah. It took over sixty days for me to get that really? that saw. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that I purchased, and I purchased a uh, a pair of ice tongs. And I'll, hand, I'll hand with the saw. So, so what you're doing? You're just cutting a big block of ice. I'm, I'm just punching a hole. I punch a hole with my spud. Yeah. And then I can cut all the way around. And once that hole is cut, I've been putting fur balls down and yeah. and covering it with with snow that's that's around. And you come back a few days later, you only have a half an inch, if that, a quarter inch yeah. of ice. You know, and, and it works very very well. Uh, I was I was using a I was using a a, a pulp hook to pull the blocks out, but you're always on your knees or you're down this way here, you bend over, it's it's uh, two hooks, it opens up, spreads open and clamps down on it. It's like a pair of big scissors with a hook on the end. So how how big does your initial hole with the spud have to be? It's got to be big enough to accommodate the saw and the saw blade is, is on a, the saw blade is, is a straight blade and the teeth are probably about four inches long. The blade's probably over three feet and there's a big wooden handle on it, and it folds together. Okay. So you can load that on your sled. Like yeah, and it's it's easy to transport, and it cuts so fast. It, it it what what a difference. Does it? Do you have issues with like binding up? Do you have to make sure you get it straight? No. The only issue I have is when you're sawing through the ice, and you're close to a cache, or you're close to the beaver house, and it's you hit a piece of wood. Yeah. It'll it it'll, it'll it stop. Like, no, it doesn't like wood. Okay. No, it'll it'll stop you. Uh, but when I get to that point, I just take my I take my uh, my my spud, and you just just hit right right next to where you had sawed, and a big chunk will fall off. off. Yeah. yeah, and then you can get underneath with some loppers and cut cut whatever brushes under under there, yeah. and uh, just keep going. And I use that this winter, and I'll never go back to chipping again by hand. Yeah, right. Yeah, what? And, and it seems that the edge seems to hold pretty well too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just I just used it last weekend. I showed my brother-in-law we were ice fishing. I drilled a 10-inch hole, and I said, you ever see this saw work? He says, no. I, said, I took it out, and I sawed a big square out. It was it was just two sides, and the back I left I left untouched, and I took my spud, and I hit the back and just broke right, broke off. right off. Yeah. And it was over 20 inches of ice. Yeah. So, so, it worked. so it'll work. It, it works. It works good. Huh. And it saves a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of work. What do those cost? Uh, I think I paid 100, right around 100 bucks for it. Yeah. Yeah. I can give you the information on it if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Yeah, check it out and yeah, yeah. It was a well, well worth tool. I like to try different tools. Yeah. Yeah, because you never know, you know, what shortcut is going to help you out in the long run. Right. And you know, when you're beaver trapping, time is money. Yeah. You know, and I like to get back before it gets dark. You know. <laughs> and I saw a picture, I think, with you your sled, and I don't think you had a tote sled on. You just had a. a, a Tupperware, big container in the back of your sled. Yes. So, so you can just tuck the saw right in there. And I, it's pretty yeah, I, yeah, I have a, I have a, a rack on the side that came with the sled. There's aluminum rack, and I could tuck that right, the blade right next to the box and right next to the rack. And I have a new thing that I'm using now. Instead of bungee cords, I use this. Uh, it's, it's like a, a wire tie, but it's, it's plastic coating on the outside, and you can just bend it around and just 
twist okay. it and it stays right there and it holds everything into place. So typically on, on the sled, I'll just carry my, my, my traps and my spud and that saw so I don't have to carry a chainsaw. So that gives you more room. My pack basket goes inside of that other Tupperware basket. So sometimes you got to pack out whatever you catch. And uh, my snowshoes, I'll bring those because I'll, I'll never go anywhere with my snowshoes. Sometimes you're in some places where it's 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 pretty hard. You don't think you're going to need them until you. Oh, do. that's right, that's right. And they and they double as a shovel too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we did pretty good on the under ice. So trapping. were you uh, using mainly three thirties, or did you have a, a foothold sets or a combination? I I tried some snare sets, and for some reason uh, the snare and I just don't get along. It no. does. It's not working out. It's. Uh, I tried a, a, a bunch of different depths and. And it, I only put one snare pole in. I had six snares on the pole, and I had no luck. The year before, I had three poles, snare pole sets, and every time I went back, the snares were all knocked down. Yeah. I didn't catch, I didn't catch nothing. No tails, no feet, no by the face or anything, nothing at all. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. This year, what I found out with the three thirties was, and I sent you a couple of pictures on it. A lot of hind foot catches. That was odd. I, I would say maybe uh, I got six, half a dozen hind foot catches this year. And they were mostly bigger beaver that were doing it. So I'm thinking they're trying to fire the trap off and they're swimming by and kicking the trap and they're getting caught in it by the back foot. These were different lodges, different these setups. were different. These were different lodges. Huh. Uh, I'd never run into that before, but this was the first year. I never have had that. But I tried something different this year. This year, uh, sometimes I'll use A-frame sets. Uh, sometimes I use a pole set, uh, two sticks on the sides of your 330s to secure them down. This year I hung my traps yeah. with wire. You told me, yeah, there were some YouTube videos of guys doing that, right? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, what a, what a effective set that is. I'll never go back to, I, I'll it's always, I'll, to it's, it's easy, it's easier, and it's, it's, uh, it's more efficient. You don't have to cut your poles, pre-cut your poles, or... Or it's, it's less to, you have to carry. Now, was there any correlation between using those sets and the foot catches, the hind foot catches? Uh, they were more productive once the ice came out. I didn't use any 330s until until the ice came out. I was using uh, drowning sets and rebar, with, with and that was very effective, very effective. So I, 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 did, a, I did a very well with that set as well. What did you, what'd you use for footholds? I used I had I had some old Victors kicking around. They were probably around number threes. Yep. I used some of those. I lost one, one trap. Uh, the S hook that was hooked off the chain onto the onto the the slide the lock. Somehow uh, you must have spun around and it it just twisted twisted it open and he got out. <laughs> I, I lost the whole trap and everything. Unless it was taken by somebody, but I, I, I doubt there was no. I didn't see any, any activity, out in the woods other than myself and a few moose. So that was it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You uh, see what I got there? Yeah, there's it, those. Those are pretty nice. Yeah, I get those metal corner bear stands, and I haven't used them yet. I'm gonna try them this spring, just hoping, just trapping from the truck that they'll be a little more efficient, but, as it, opposed to trying to. Sticks and stuff. Right, right, right. Now that works. That works good too. I have some of those as well. Yeah. Down okay. Did Do you, you like those? Th those work. Those work okay. But it's if if you have that. In, what we're what, looking at is uh, it's a, essentially a piece of rebar with uh, some, some hold some bracket a bracket on the end of it um, that'll hold the jaws of the three thirty once you compress them. Yeah, I have a few. I have a few of these. And I found a couple places that I trapped with them. Once you have embedded in the in the bottom of the creek or the stream, I I really have a hard time pulling them out uh -huh. once they're in there. So I try to set the trap underwater, and once you stir up the mud, you can't see it. You can't, you can't see, see nothing. Yeah. So you got to fool you around trying to trying to get so it you out. Have there. To, you set them beforehand and then try to push it down, or you probably can't get those in if it's any amount of rocks. You got to pound them in. Yeah, I've got another piece of an old tire iron that I straightened out with a lug nut on the end of it and I put that right on the top of this okay so it sticks out of the water so I can bang that straight down and get this flush into, into the bottom oh, okay 
And it, if you try idea. that, you're gonna you're gonna get soaking wet trying to hammer that in the water. There's no way. Well, like you say, you then you gotta almost wait a half an hour to. <laughs> To yeah, it's got a. You, hopefully, you got a good a good flow of water to, to clear it up because you'll never you never you never get your trap in there. Yeah, that's the only problem I had. They work good though, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, the A frame sets work real well for me too though. Yeah, yeah. And I can almost set them up like a tripod. If you can't sink them in the ground, where they cross on the top, you can get another branch, put it across the top, and anchor it to another tree or yeah. back to the ground, just to hold it steady, and, and it does work well. I, there's something about having that solid body grip. I don't know if it's just the way I, I learned to trap it. It, it feels better. It feels like this is the way it's supposed to be rather than just swinging. Yeah, I I, I think they, they'll get leery if it's a little loose. I mean, you, you want something I that... Think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this year I caught one. I caught a beaver and a 330 that was swimming by with a stick in his mouth. Yeah. And it's, the stick fired a trap off and caught half of his head and the stick. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't a full a full neck catch, yeah. and when I when I when I uh, when I fleshed them out, yeah. his whole you could see his skull was 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 yeah, crushed. It, uh, it, it killed him instantly. Did you you're using bull aisles or? I got a mixture. Um, I, in the more areas that that there's people around, or a lot of traffic, I won't use my my bull aisles. Yeah, I'll, you don't lose them. Yeah, I don't want to lose them. They're they're very good traps. Um, but usually, the, I, I I think I have some. Uh, they might be they might be, the the they're conibears. Uh, I don't know if they're dukes or sterlings. I got them through sterling or years ago. Yeah, I have a bunch of those around. Yeah, and my and then I bought some uh, MB MB twelve. The big one. The big the big ones. Yeah, I was gonna. I never tried them. I never tried them this year. No, no. I was gonna try them. Some places you get a real wide run. And you, you almost need to put two 330s in there. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to try one of these. But I never had a, an opportunity to try it this year. Yeah. Well, I'll try it. I'll try it this fall coming up. And we'll see how that works. So just just that alone, that, that that's a few bucks right there. Mm -hmm. You know, you can buy them. Uh, I think I got them through Cots. Cots had some. Yeah, I got a few from him. And I had a bunch that I brought up with me when I moved up. But they weren't the, the uh, Belisles. There was a guy you may know him. He's from from your area when you guys were trapping when you were a youngster, uh, Butch. Yeah. He's the guy that turned me on to these Belisles. Okay. He, he said if you're gonna if you're gonna trap, he says, Fisher, or, or, or Martin. He says you want these. You're not gonna if if, if these things fire, there's something's gonna be in them, and, and it'll be there. And I and I saw YouTube videos on guys catching beavers hanging by the wires like we were talking about earlier by the front paw yeah and pull them out some guys get them by the tail yeah it's it's, it's amazing how so strong these all, magnums are right and a lot of times you you go to an empty trap and you wonder if that would have been a belial yeah yeah and, well <laughs> it, and and you know what when the belials close they're metal on metal yeah when the the other ones close there's a quarter inch there's just a quarter inch gap out of there if they get to one end, if you got a, especially got a weak spring on one side, they can power out of that trap. If it's not a head catch, if it's a paw catch or a tail catch or something, they might be able to pull out that way. But uh, yeah, they're 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 quite the trap. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed. And there's some uh, another Canadian brand of uh, similar to Belial. Savage Joe. Yes, that's the trap there, but they're expensive as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah same principle, and they're very very strong. Um, I tried, I, I experimented this, this, uh, this, this winter trapping with setting these traps, different setters. I've got hand setters. I, I, I try to set them by hand without anything. The older ones, I, <laughs> the older ones I can. You can, yeah. I can, but, but the Belial's, no way. No way. They're so strong. The springs on those traps are unbelievable. Those uh, hand ones, those are the RTS setters? Um, it's like a caulking gun almost? No, I, I didn't use that. I looked at that, but... Uh, the only the only drawback is more stuff that you got to carry. Right. Uh, I talked. I I didn't talk. I saw a guy talk, had a talk on uh, carrying a piece of rope with you all the time, yeah. just in case. And he pulled those belials with no no problem and set them with one hand. Yeah. He set them and just wrapped it around his hand and pulled it up. So if his hand was in there, he was able to get out of the trap. So I was that was another thing when you're trapping by yourself. You got to make sure that 
you know, I don't know if it ever happened to you, but I've backed into a beaver hole before, walking around looking for something, looking for, and I walked, step right in, into a beaver hole going backwards. I said, well, you really got to watch out. If there was a trap in there, yeah. you could have you got caught. Yeah. And who knows when they come get you, if they come <laughs> get you. <laughs> oh, there was, uh, oh, the, the book that you just got that, that I just published, the Manly Hardy yes. book, um, he talks about almost getting caught in a bear trap. And in the footnotes of the, the version that uh, Bill Crone published at the University of Maine, that original book that was $100 that it's really hard to find. Right. There's a footnote in there that talks about a newspaper article from that same time frame, the 1800s, where there was a trapper that went missing. He was, I think he was in the Dover Foxcroft area, and he went missing one winter. Well, they found the next year, they found him both hands in a bear trap. Oh, no. Well, I, I can see it happening. There's, there's, there's times when that old fellow that taught me how to trap. I'll never forget it. He, he was showing me how to set these these foothold traps, and it was probably a number three. And uh, and the way he was setting them, he used to set them right on his knee. He could be sitting down or standing up. He could he could set the trap right on his knee, and he get the the spring the ears on the side of the trap, and he dropped it down, and and he tried to get the dog to come over over one of the jaws. And I guess the pan wasn't wasn't really set right on the on the on the trigger on the other side, and, and, and that thing went off, and his hand was in there. And I'm like, wow, this guy's gonna lose his hand. You know, I didn't know much about trapping back yeah. then. He says, calm down, <laughs> calm down. It's, it's it's not it's not a big not deal. As as <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what you gotta do. Just and he was out just just like that. And I said, wow, that that wasn't too bad. I said, how's your hand? He says, well, he had arthritis, so it was probably hurting before it even happened. So, yeah, yeah. and that's, uh, that was one of the things that we switched off on. Uh, he had a hard time setting traps, and his name was Walt Palmer. He had a hard time setting traps. I, sometimes, if it was a bigger trap, I would, I would set the trap, and then he would fine-tune it. Yeah. And he would set it the way he wanted to set it, and I would just continue on the other end. He would get one end of the stream, I'd get the other end of the stream. So we had it set up where, where, in the morning, I was I'd work third shift, towards the end of my career, I'd get out of work, I'd pick Walt up. Walt would already be in his, in his in his waiters waiting by the door for me. I'd pick him up. I still had my uniform on from work. I throw my waiters on and we take off. We run the line in the morning, and when we whatever we caught for that day, he would comb out and dry, and. I worked third shift, so I would sleep from nine o'clock to two in the afternoon or one o'clock or whatever, and I would get up. Then I would do my animal control job. And my animal control job, on the way back from that job, I'd stop at Walt's, pick up the fur that he already dried and combed out. I'd bring that home and I would, I would, I would skin it and flush it. So on the way in at midnight, going back to work, I'd swing by Walt's again, drop off the fur that I had fleshed. He would get up in the morning, he would stretch that fur, He'd have his waiters on waiting for me to, take, to, to complete the good, circuit again. Good system. Yeah, a good system, and it worked well. It worked, it worked well. Yeah, he was, uh, it was, he was quite, quite the mentor. Yeah, he's going to be, he's, he's greatly missed, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 But he, he started, his dad shot, showed him how to trap. And, you know, it was just fortunate that we hit it off, and, and he turned me on to a couple other guys that were up in age too. They're in their 80s. They were getting out of trapping because they couldn't no longer do it any, any longer. So I was able to purchase some of their equipment that they had. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of like got a break all the way around. All these learning curves that he had to go through when he was a kid, yeah. he, already, he already experienced that. So, you know, they say experience is the best teacher. But I'll tell you what, somebody that's already been there, is willing to share it with you. Yeah, you can skip ahead. You can skip ahead quite quite fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was another. There was another thing that you told me. He stressed a lot in the area that we lived in. There was a lot of people. He says, "Never walk along the side of the stream. Always walk in the stream." I'm trying to think what. Why? Why was he want me? It was because of your tracks. He didn't want. Pe he didn't want people to know where his sets were. So he wouldn't walk on the side of the bank. And when he learned, when he was trapping, there was heavy competition days. There was heavy competition, and he got cleaned out one time. Did he? He got cleaned out one time, and he had a problem. Somebody coming in there and stealing his traps, 
And he went in there and showed a warden where his traps were, all his traps were, and he went back and he had the same thing happen again. So uh, he, he stressed a lot. He said, never, never walk in the mud or alongside your, 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 your trap line. Always walk in the water if you can. Sometimes you can't help it. And he was very, he was, he was very meticulous on checking his traps. He, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go a full 24 hours. You know, if you set him that, that, well, it would be 24. If you set him that morning, he'd be back that morning. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let it lag at all. So, yeah, he's, he was quite the trapper. And I'm, I'm fortunate I had the, the opportunity to, to be schooled by him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to be good for an old guy that thinks he's all done and has the chance to, oh, yeah, to it, help someone out and kind of get that back into to it a little bit before the end. Yeah, and he did too. Yeah, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. And like we were saying earlier, I, we starting off saying that this guy that taught me, he was a craftsman. He made all his own fleshing beam. He made me a fleshing beam. He cut the tree down. <laughs> he cut the tree down. He shaped it. He cut it in half. He made, then this is a fleshing beam that I use today that he made for me. And I'm still using it. And it's going to be around before, when I'm gone. Yeah. And, and, and somebody else will be using it. It's, uh, and all the boards, all the uh, uh, coyote boards, and, and he made all of those. He made everything. He made everything. Uh, beaver boards, they're really not too hard to make. You just have to get the pattern. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was quite, the, quite the craftsman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was one. There was one set they were showing us when we were starting out, and his trap was gone. So he came, come to get me. He says, "I need a hand trying to find my trap." And uh, we walked on this this little stream that was there. It was right right in farm country, dairy farm. Sure enough, his trap is gone, and we were looking around. We couldn't find any drag marks. And back then, a lot of a lot of times, I don't know if we can use drags up here anymore. I don't no, think so. Yeah. But we were able to use drags down there. You can see where it dragged and it was gone. And what it was was a raccoon climbed a tree and brought the whole drag and it and the trap and everything is up in the tree. He's looking down at us like, what are you guys looking for? You know? You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah, it was they're they're quite they're they're very, very smart. Yeah. They're you're you're in their their territory and it, it takes some time to, to uh took me time to understand the habitats and how they they use the, the terrain and 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 how they travel and you know once you once you get an idea of that it's going to help you out a lot more yeah 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 so what's next for you next for me i think i'm gonna you gonna buy a trap line in alaska oh I, I, you know, <laughs> funny you mention that i was looking i was looking online i, I told you too I typed in trap lines for sale in Alaska. Bing, here they are. I saw, and I tell my wife, and she's kind of not really listening, you know. But I said, "Look at that." Uh, I don't think she'd go, but I would definitely love to go for a season anyway, yeah. just for one season, and, and and try it out out there. Yeah, it's it, you had the opportunity to try, it and and I envy you for that because. You know, there's a lot of guys that wish they could do that, and they, they'll never have the opportunity to try it. And, and 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 you got to even. I get to see the best part of it, the enjoyable part, without having to do all the work and building the cabin and right, right, <laughs> cutting right, out the trails. Right. But these trap lines are already established. You just they're turnkey. Some of them you go in there, they already have the cabin. They got they got the traps. Some of them got the traps right there. Yeah. And and you're you're good. One place I looked at had 400 square miles. And they, they give you a list of the fur bearers that are on there, so you know what you're what you're looking at on there. Pine Martin's on there, and, and they had um, uh, Wolverine. I always wanted a trap of Wolverine. Wolverine's on there, and they had Lynx on there, and all the big money furs. Yeah. I said, boy, if I had that walking through my backyard, I'd be I'd be a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not money wise, but in but in Experience. spirit. In, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because the the cost to get everything up there, just to get to a trap line up there, is is crazy. Like yeah. we had talked about. We were we were looking at a TV show about Alaska, my wife and I, and they were buying houses in the Yukon, and there was a family that moved from Texas to the Yukon, and just to have their property shipped from the Yukon 
uh, from Texas to the Yukon was $27,000 just to have it shipped there. So you're almost better off just buying new stuff. <laughs> or find a place that's already established and just use yeah. this stuff that they have there. And it, it doesn't make any sense. It, that's You can't do that today. You know, just the money is, unless you have the money, you can do it. That's definitely, definitely would be one of my dreams to go up there and, and spend a winter trapping on, on a line. Yeah. Yeah, not, not starting out. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Now, I wonder if Charlie would split his line up in Alaska over there. <laughs> I looked at Charlie's website. Which Charlie? Jagow? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guide. Yep. He guides up there, and I was, I was looking at some of the prices that he had for, for different species that he was guide for, and... So he's he's pretty well rounded that that kid. He's he doing is, yeah. he's doing well for himself. Yeah, I'm assuming that is to help subsidize his trapping habit. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but he did wind up with with uh, another line. He bought uh, well, Bob's, Bob's right? Bob's line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and thankfully so because I think his got burned out with with the with the fire yeah. a couple of years ago. So. I don't know how he made out. I don't know if you had a chance to talk to him lately. I haven't yet. No. Yeah. Oh, I actually I haven't. I've never talked with Charlie. I'd love to get him on the show. I yeah. talk other people who know him and who yeah. talk with him. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Uh, yeah. I enjoy watching him on the show. I enjoy all all those guys. Yeah. And all the scenery and everything. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's amazing what what one one man can do by himself out there. He built that cabin. You know he's. He's well versed in, in in what he's doing. He's he's at home. That's that's yeah. that's what he's. Grew up there, yeah. yeah, that's that's his thing. That's that's what it's all about. You know, being able to have a plane and you can really cover some area. And you know, he was out off on the off season fixing fixing his trap line where there was hills. He was digging trenches out so he wouldn't so roll his got, sled. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was watching that, and it's just it, it never ends. It never ends, and. It, and I guess, it, I guess what really happens is the more you do, the more you want to do. You know, people get lethargic and they sit around. The less you do, the less you want to do. Yeah, you know? yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah. a, just you get into a habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's a hobby that, that I'll enjoy for life. Hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't know. When I came up here, I started working right away. The first year I didn't, I trapped and I really enjoyed it. And, and then... You know, like I said, the treadmill of life gets you caught up in the spin of things and having to pay for this and pay for that, and, and pretty soon you—that's all you're doing. You're 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 a slave to to you know society around you. Yeah. So, yeah, and then by the time you retire, you might be uh, not feeling like you want. Yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're 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 getting all these ailments and stuff, and people <laughs> can't move. And you know, I see people my age now that that. You know they 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 don't they don't do too much. No, no, don't do too much, and uh, I'm enjoying it right now while I can. Yeah, while I can. And we're pretty lucky. It's not Alaska, but we we get a little taste of it because we don't have a lot of people up here. Um, I mean, you could you could set out a trap line and have a timber company come and cut clear cut all the yeah. land on your trap line, yeah. um, which is frustrating. But at, but at least we do get to get away from people, and and we have kind of a little taste of wilderness. Right. Well, which is which is good. I mean, it, at least it's still there if you if you if you want to go for the experience. It's uh, I remember just this this past winter trapping in areas where I used to used to fish when I was a kid, and the landscape and everything is just totally different than what I remember. Yeah, uh, everything is logged off, and there's a lot of even the the stream the way the way the stream used to run is 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 all different. From beavers backing it up, it goes a different route, or it, the floods in the spring and the water can't go through, and it changes so much. Yeah. It, it's it's amazing how much it, it, it just one season will change things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Very good. I well, think that's it. You got any, anything else that we you want to talk about or mention? No, I think uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, I'm just glad for the opportunity to, to uh, participate, and uh, I thank you very much for your help. Yeah, taking no care, problem. taking care of some some uh, fur business on the side here, and <laughs> <laughs> that's the danger. If I do you a favor, you have to sit down and record a podcast. Episode. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, hopefully, somebody will listen to it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
I'm sure they'll enjoy it just as much. I find that I I sit, just sit down and talk trap and I think well there's nothing special about that and then you get a few emails of guys wow I really enjoyed that well just like you said about the the episode with um, with Jeff uh, last week last week that was awesome yeah. I mean you, you you know this guy is he's in a he's in a he's walking a, th a fine thin line with with the people that are against and the people that are for and the people that are on a fence and I feel that he's professional enough that he's he can communicate with all sides and, and and show them the show them what 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 it's all about. It's it's not just one sided, you know. Yeah. We need that. Yes, need yes, that. yes. And I join his email, and on there it says you can participate. We need your help. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yep, that's Jeff Trainer, Fur Bear Conservation, and and uh, yeah, more to come from there too. So thanks, Bruce. Yep, Great to thank sit you. Down with you. Yeah, awesome. All right, that's it for tonight, folks, and I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can contact me, jrodwood at gmail.com, with feedback from this episode, with ideas for future episodes, with uh, questions that you might have, jrodwood at gmail.com. And finally, the Cots Bros message of the week from kotzbros.com, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Get your TS-85 setters. They have a brand new setting tool for the TS-85s designed specifically for those traps in response to a bunch of folks that, that wanted to have some, some setters for those. You can find them at the Cots Bros website as well as a bunch of other items. And remember, prices are going up uh, throughout the trapping supply dealer world um, and Everywhere in America right now, we're we're really in a period of time where I think we're going to see some some uh, big inflation, more inflation than we've seen in my lifetime, and uh, it it will not hurt to get your supplies ahead of time this year. So anyway, thanks for listening in, and till next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you on the next episode.